Hey loves, welcome to The Quick Tip. I'm your host, Dejada. And I'm Kamisa, and we are a part of the team at Sister Afia Community Mental Wellness in Chicago. The Quick Tip is a podcast where we discuss relatable topics and Black women's mental wellness. We provide thoughtful reflections, quick tips, and leave you with some things to take action on to improve your mental wellness. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Quick Tip Podcast. This is your host, Kamisha. I'm Dejada. And I'm Taylor. And today um, we are going to be talking about redefining self-care. And we have our guest here, Taylor Elise Morrison, who's going to give us some great insight about self-care and how we can all enhance it on our wellness journey. So self-care is a word that we hear quite often in so many spaces, whether it's at work or with our conversations with our girlfriends. Self-care is a topic of conversation, but we always don't know how to practice it in ways that align with our needs and our well-being. Uh, We're excited to have Taylor here, who is redefining self-care through her company, Inner Workout, and her recently published book, Inner Workout. So Taylor Elise Morrison is an author, facilitator, and coach making well-being and personal development more accessible through her company, Inner Workout, and her book of the same name. Taylor supports people's journeys to know, care for, and become their full selves. Thanks for introducing Taylor, Kamisha, and thanks for joining us, uh, Taylor, today on the Quick Tip Podcast. Um, So I'm going to start out with asking you a question of just telling us a little about yourself and your self-care journey. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. And my self-care journey really started from a place of necessity. I always like to tell people that I'm not naturally good at self-care. I think people sometimes hear my voice and they'll be like, oh, your voice is so calming and you talk about self-care. You must be so good at this. And really my natural tendency is to be a workaholic, a perfectionist, someone who does not prioritize caring for myself. And I things really came to a head. I talk about this in the book, but I had this moment on a Sunday night where I was trying to plan for the week and I had a lot going on at that time. I was working full time. I had a side hustle. I was volunteering for multiple nonprofits and had just gotten married. And instead of like planning, I found myself really starting to panic and wonder how I was going to get everything done. And I did something really uncharacteristic for me, which was that I decided, you know what, instead of trying to sit here with my planner and my laptop, I'm going to take a bath. And it felt so good that I kept doing it. Every Sunday night, it was really my first self-care ritual. And over time, when I wanted that feeling not on a Sunday night, I realized that, yes, the bath was wonderful, but it wasn't about the bath. What was important about that is that I was listening within and responding in the most loving way possible. And that became the definition of self-care that I use personally and that we use at Inner Workout. Um, and every single day I'm still working to like, to do, to practice what I preach, to listen within and to respond with love. And, um, you just gave your definition of self-care, but how is your approach to self-care maybe more accessible to people than maybe other definitions of self-care? Yeah. What I like about the definition that we use for self-care, listening within and responding in the most loving way possible, 
is that it's not, it's very not prescriptive. It doesn't say how much time you need to spend. It doesn't say what activity you need to be doing. The only thing it's saying is you need to be having a conversation with yourself. And when we talk about responding with love, I'm always thinking about how we can respond with love using the resources available to us. So I think it makes it accessible because there's always a way to respond with love in any given situation, no matter how much time or energy or other resources we have available to us. I also think that thinking about it as a conversation rather than a specific list of things you're supposed to follow or a checklist or some formula you're supposed to fit yourself into, um, is really allows you to create an approach to self-care that meets your needs and your preferences rather than, again, I, I always picture like us trying to like shift and change ourselves into the way that we see talk to self-care talked about in kind of the dominant culture, which is a lot about spending money, which is a lot about spending a lot of time and not everyone has it like that. And also, even if you do, like you should be able to be in conversation with yourself and practice self-care outside of just spending a lot of money and time. So you just mentioned some challenges people may face when it comes to taking time for self-care, such as um, money um, and also just trying to do self-care the way it looks for other people with lists or um just things that don't work for them. Are there any other common challenges that Black women may experience when it comes to um, making self-care an integral integral part uh, in their lives? Yeah. So I think a couple of things. I think everyone tends to struggle with the like the money, the time, the thinking that it has to be a certain way, um, which really can get to the root of like some a lack of self-trust and this isn't from a place of vilifying us as black women because a lot of times when we look at how self-care is talked about it's conceptualized by people who don't look like us who don't have our specific challenges sometimes by people who didn't study us and so they're making these general statements but maybe didn't include enough black women in how they're thinking about things um the other thing that I see a lot of Black women specifically fall into is this idea of being the strong friend. And on my podcast, we just are wrapping up a season all about being the strong friend. You may be familiar where we're like, check in on your strong friends. And I think Black women especially are socialized to be the strong friend, to be there for everyone else, to deprioritize our needs, our wants, and our desires, and to prioritize what everyone else needs. And so that can make it feel really selfish to do anything for ourselves. And it can make it feel really vulnerable for us to receive and to ask for support from other people. So I would actually argue that that's one of the biggest barriers for Black women is this social conditioning, which again, like for a long time, protected us. But now it's not as useful. I don't think it was ever 100% useful. But when I look at like, our lineage as black women, and what we've how we've been able to hold space for the entire black community. Mm -hmm. um, it's because of some of these kind of 
coping and being the strong friend that we have to learn how to let go of. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that we can see, especially like in the mental health space, are these being the strong friend, how it can manifest into mental health or physical health challenges. Um, And being the strong friend and being the strong Black woman is something that's talked about a lot. But the wear and tear that it does on our minds, our bodies, and spirits, it it happens, right? And it manifests itself. So it makes it even more important to make sure that we are um, pouring into ourselves and that we're making time for our own wellness and our own healing because of the effects (laughs) of all the things that people may be dealing with or may be carrying. So um, in your book, Inner Workout, you talk about these five dimensions of well-being which I think are awesome. And I would love for you just to share a little bit more about the five dimensions of well-being um, and how it can help people to go deeper with understanding how to practice self-care. Yeah. So the first like major turning point for me in my self-care journey was this definition of self-care and really getting away from self-care as an item on my to-do list to self-care as a conversation. The second big turning point was these five dimensions of well-being. So they're inspired by this yogic concept of the koshas. And like you said, there's five dimensions. Before I go into them, I'll tell you what they did for me. What they did for me is they helped me realize that there were multiple parts of me that needed care, not just my body or not just my mind. It also helped me understand that why I might do something for one part of me. Maybe I like go for a walk, but if I'm needing care because I'm feeling lonely, that walk might be good for me, but it might not be the type of care. It might not be tending to the dimension of well-being that I need. So that's what they helped me do. And now I'll give like a brief overview. I'll say there's five dimensions. There's 14 sub-dimensions. We're going to keep it high level for now with the five dimensions. So the first is, and first is, there's not really an order. It's just the first and how I tend to talk about it um, is the physical dimension of well-being, which is again about being in conversation with your body, what your body says to you and what you're saying to your body. Are you speaking kind things to it? Then there's the energetic dimension, which looks at breath as a way to regulate our energy. And it also looks at the way energy moves throughout our life. Um, in the interactions that we have with people, in the tasks that we're doing. Then we have the mental and emotional dimension of well-being. That's two dimensions or one dimension, mental and emotional. It's got two words, but one dimension. And there's, it looks at what you, how you use your brain. Are you challenging it? Are you giving it nourishing, so to speak, food? how you're able to acknowledge and move through your emotions. And then also that's supported by sleep because sleep, yes, affects our physical body, but it also affects our ability to think. It affects our ability to process emotions. Then we have the wisdom dimension of well-being, which is about you being able to access your inner wisdom. So in the present moment, because I firmly believe that we're most powerful when we're most present. And unfortunately, we live in a society that has 
the smartest people in the world trying to distract us by ads and by social media apps and all these different things. So cultivating our ability to be present, to trust ourselves as we're hearing from our inner wisdom, and then ultimately to take aligned action. Because it's one thing to be like, okay, inner wisdom, I hear you. This is what I'm supposed to do. Quite another thing to actually do it. And then the last piece is the bliss dimension, which is really about connection, like a deep connection to the truest expression of you, a deep connection to a community or multiple communities, and a connection to something bigger than you, whether you do that through religion and spirituality or by getting outside in nature or by um, having like a deeply held set of values. So those are the five dimensions of well-being in kind of a Sparknotes version. Wow. Thanks for sharing, Taylor. Um, one, because there are times where I feel like I'm doing something for myself, like resting. But even after resting, I feel like uh, there's something else that I need to nourish my body with. Um, and so I'm definitely going to go read in a workout and uh, pay a lot of attention to the five dimensions and check out the 14 that are underneath that. Um, can you share more about in a workout and your coaching program? Like how do people embody self-care um, from learning from you? Yeah. So inner workout as a company, we're actually in the midst of some, some changes, some exciting things that I can't fully talk about yet. Um, but as a company, our goal is to make well-being easier for people. And we've got some cool, some great like free public facing things, which is our self-care Sundays newsletter, our inner warm-up podcast, and then also our um, take care assessment, which you can answer 75 questions and measures your well-being across five dimensions. And it gives you some personalized practices based on your results. So those are things that you can do like any day, any time to support yourself. Um, we have what are called our shift sessions, which are 60 minute coaching sessions where you take the assessment before and then we go through your results. And it's a session where we figure out like, what is the one thing that you could do that would actually make a major ripple effect into the rest of your well being? Because it, I'll speak from the eye, I can get really excited and be like, okay, I'm going to make a change in my life. And I try and change everything at once. And then I end up reverting back to what is normal. So these shift sessions are trying to find that like one impactful shift for you. Um, and then we've got something excited coming out that I wish I could fully share, but all I can say is like, Come on, tell us, Taylor. yeah, um, I <laughs> that will provide a lot of like, <laughs> support, day-to-day -day support and helping you care for yourself, build skills related to self-care um, and use your phone as a tool to support your self-care. That's the, that's the hint that I'll give you. Okay. I think, I think we got it. We, yeah. I think we know what it is. Cough, cough. <laughs> <laughs> um, and can you, if you're able to, because I know with coaching programs, there can sometimes be confidentiality, but through your coaching program, how do you see people transform um, from using inner workouts approach and just having the space to work more deeply in terms of how to um, embody and, and embrace self-care? Yeah. Um, it's fun that you asked this because I 
when I do like a longer term coaching program, I'll send a gift at the end. And, and I like to handpick gifts based on like what comes up in the conversation. Um, and so for one of the people, they, a big theme for them was giving themselves permission and really starting to sift through all these unwritten rules that they'd had for themselves and what they need to do in their career and when they need to do things. Um, and to give themselves a lot of permission to take care of themselves from like a self-care perspective, but also approach their life and their career in a way that was supportive for them. So that was really cool just to see this shift in, oh, these are all someday things to, no, I actually am really clear on what I want. And I'm thinking really creatively of how I can incorporate some of those things into my daily life now. Um, it's funny because for a lot of people, there ends up being some type of shift in their career, whether it's how they're approaching it or what they're doing next. And it's it's like self-care coaching. We don't talk about it as career coaching, but I do like to joke that like you can't, you can't spell career without care. And I think it might just be because we spend so much of our time in our jobs that when you start really thinking about what it means to care for yourself, there ends to ends up being some type of shift that's made in your career, whether it's like getting a new job or advocating for yourself more or these different things. So that's been a ripple effect. I think almost everyone who's gone through the program has had some type of shift in their career. Wow. That's so interesting to hear. Um, but I will say like, I've been in uh, positions where uh changing jobs or uh, speaking up for myself, things have changed or like I felt uh, less attached to my job um, and more as an individual, um, even if that means like saying, hey, I can't be here for eight hours every day behind a desk. Like I need to be able to get out and take a walk um, just to connect with myself in the middle of the day. Um, so that's definitely understandable, but also shocking to hear that a lot of people who are in your coaching program typically has a career shift in some way. Um, but again, thank you so much for joining us, Taylor. Can you share with us um, how people can stay connected to you and your work? Absolutely. Um, the best way is probably to sign up for the Self-Care Sunday newsletter. That's where like all of the announcements of whatever is happening comes up. It's there every Sunday. It's got an affirmation and expiration and invitations for things that you can try or get connected to. And when the podcast is in season, it links to the podcast and all that good stuff. Thank you so much. Oh, go ahead, Kamisha. Um, and I was going to ask our on the couch question for you. And this is a question that comes from our audience. So Carly has um, a question. I have multiple responsibilities that take up so much space in my life. How can I make time for self-care? Oh, Carly, um, I love this question because it's probably like my most frequently asked question related to self-care. Um, I want to empathize that it feels a lot of times it feels like we don't have time for self-care especially when we're focused on like these these bigger things like oh i'm supposed to spend 30 
minutes working or I should be doing this when again when we get into those shoulds that's when we tend to feel like oh I don't have enough or I'm not doing enough what I'll offer to you is that a little bit of self-care can go a long way so a minute or two minutes can do a lot to shift your mood and the way that you're perceiving your situation so from a mindset shift perspective instead of thinking oh, I don't have enough time, I would invite you to think, oh, I have this pocket of time and I can use this 30 seconds to care for myself. And let me share a few ways that you can do that because I can hear people listening and be like, really 30 seconds, Taylor, or (laughs) really two minutes. So some of my favorite things when I'm short on time are any type of breathing exercise can be something simple like extending your exhales that's gonna engage your parasympathetic nervous system, your rest and digest nervous system. And it's like the subconscious way to talk to your brain and your body and say, hey, we're safe right now, it's okay to relax. So doing 30 seconds of that is great. There's another practice that I learned from Dr. Itzaivan called the one minute meditation. And you spend 20 seconds fixing your posture because even now I'm like, oh yeah, I'm slouching. Mm So find that extra space in your spine. You spend 20 seconds in breath awareness, just noticing your breath. You don't even have to do anything to it. And then 20 seconds doing a quick body scan. Another way to like very simply and practically get yourself grounded. Some of my other favorite things to do when I'm short on time, but I want to do something to care for myself could be putting on some music and just moving my body, whether that's dancing or stretching, Um, doing a brain dump, which people don't always think about that as a form of journaling, but I absolutely see it as that. And in a minute, I can just be like, okay, here's everything on my mind. I have to get these groceries. I need to call this person back. Did I send that email? Did I do this other thing? And getting it all on paper can be a powerful act of care for yourself because instead of trying to hold everything all in, you're giving yourself like the support of putting it in front of you and then you can do something with it. You can start to slot that into time or you can just give yourself some compassion of, oh wow, yeah, I do have a lot on my mind. I am doing a lot. Um, Thank you for all that you're doing. So those are just a few like, a few ways that you can practice self-care when you're short on time. And I would just really, really encourage you to honor the time that you're spending on self-care, even if it feels like a tiny amount, instead of being like, oh, I should be doing so much more. Thank you, Taylor. Yeah, that is a huge one. And that's one of the biggest uh, barriers that can stop people from engaging in self-care. It's like, I don't have the time, but there's little pockets of time, like you shared, that you can utilize to begin to... um, practice self-care on a regular, a regular basis. Um, I know even for myself, like this weekend, I had like so many things to do and I was like, I'm just going to rest. I'm not going to touch anything (laughs) for eight hours, even though, you know, it's a Saturday and I felt so much better just coming to, you know, what I needed to do. And I felt rested and I took care of myself first. And so I think that's also something that's important is that we deserve to take care of ourselves first before before um, anything else. So now we're going to do some quick tips. So just 
leaving some quick uh, tips or nuggets for people as they're leaving our podcast conversation. So I'll start with Dejada. Any quick tips that you want to leave people? Yes. Um, my quick tip uh, actually has to do with Taylor and her workout. Um, I'm suggesting that y'all pick up the book and also sign up for Self Care Sunday uh, newsletter because I'm definitely doing both of those things after this podcast. <laughs> uh, Taylor, any quick tips that you have for people? I would say my quick tip is don't look at your phone first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. I find that even if I can like, or or just only look at it to see what time it is and then throw it on the other side of the room. But if I can like not look at my phone first thing and do some quick journaling or some quick breathing or something, that's like a tangible way that I can show myself that I'm the priority, not whatever's in my phone, whether it's social media or my email or text from other people. Thank you to Jada and Taylor. And then my final quick tip is to do things that bring you joy outside of work. I know we talked about work just a little bit and how much it takes time out of our schedules. And so I think a way to practice caring for ourselves is to do other things outside what we can produce um, so that we feel full and well. So thank you all for listening to this episode of the Quick Tip Podcast. Again, this is a part of our self-care and self-worth series. We'll have more episodes focused on these topics. Thank you again, Taylor. We'll um, include how people can get connected to you in the show notes. And um, I hope you all took some great nuggets away about how you can practice and embody self-care in your daily lives. Take care of all of you and be well. Thank you for tuning in to the Quick Tip Podcast with Sissa Afia. Stay connected with us by following us on Instagram and Facebook at Sissa Afia. Join us for one of our upcoming groups, classes, or workshops, and sign up for therapy if you're an Illinois resident at www.sistaafia.com services. And if you enjoyed this episode, do us a favor and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We greatly appreciate you for being a part of our community, and we look forward to connecting with you soon. Take care.